This is Mike Luoma. You can find my stuff at glowinthedarkradio.com. And you're listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hello, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 72 of The Melting Podcast. Copycat. I'm your grill mistress, Erin Kazmar. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting to have to talk through your hand. No, I'm, you, I'm nice. You caught me off guard. I'm Happy here. New Year. There we go. There we go. We're even. Okay. And no one ever did it again. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting for me to do it again. Who are you? I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See, that's how it's done. <clears throat> anyway, it's 2019 and holy crap. Part of me wants to ask where 2018 went. Part of me never wants to think about 2018 again. Yeah. There was a year of holy of lots what of things. On Earth. There were some really great things about it. There were. For both inside the podcast and in our personal lives. Yeah. Which we're not going to go into because that would just take a while. That that would be a very very long banter. Yeah. 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 Instead, how about we give them some table scraps? Stuff from, you know, last year, maybe even the year before because we have some stories that have been sitting for a bit that never got mates. But it's okay. Yeah. Because they are here now. And they're both by me, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. It's not like we're actually inconveniencing anyone here. No. These these two stories are both by me. They're done on based on prompts that we've had in the past. I'm not going to bother looking up the numbers right now, but one of them is based on the prompt, where did the corn go? <laughs> it's been a while. And the other one is based on the prompt, there is an expiration date on your birth certificate. It's only a few days away. I like that one. Yeah, I think that one was earlier this year. So, so but yeah. yeah well, we we did one of those at uh, Falticon. Yeah, so they've been they've been sitting a bit, but here have some table scraps. Bon appetit. Red tape by A. F. Grappen. I clicked report spam and deleted the email. Then I forgot about it completely. Six months later, I saw the second subject line staring at me in my inbox, not my spam folder like it should have been. That got my attention. I remembered the first one then, of course. It was kind of hard to not remember seeing, attention, your birth certificate is about to expire, staring digitally back at you. The sender's address looked legit, so I decided to at least amuse myself with whatever they were claiming. Click. Samuel W. Snipes. This is your final notice regarding birth certificate 834-7647-31-01. Per records in the regional registrar, the aforementioned certificate will be expiring within two days of this email. Your immediate attention is needed if you wish to renew the aforementioned certificate. If you do not wish to renew, please respond deny to this email. Thank you for your prompt response. Clarissa Maldonado, Registrar Clerk. I blinked at my computer for a few moments. This couldn't be serious. But when I checked the office address listed at the bottom of the email, it was correct. Not only that, Clarissa Maldonado was listed on the Registrar's site. 
There was even a photograph of her. To make things worse, there was a query form I could fill out on the site to verify my birth certificate. My name and social security number pulled up certificate 834-76-4731-01, which had a blinking red status that said, Impending expiration in 2 days, 9 hours, 41 minutes. There was a second counter as well, which was counting down to what I only now assume was my coming demise. I broke out in a cold sweat, eventually came out of my shocked stupor, and grabbed my coat to run straight to the office. But the darkness that greeted my face when I opened my apartment door put an end to that errand right away. Blinking at the darkness, I tried to make sense out of that email. Then I realized I hadn't checked my email all morning. Dragging myself back to my room, I feared what I would see. Yep, the timestamp on the email was a few hours old, back when the office was likely still open. It was well past the normal operating hours now. Swallowing, I checked the website again. It wasn't open on weekends. And it was Friday night right now. Late. Some slow, terrified math told me that of the 57 hours my birth certificate had remaining, almost all of them would be wasted just waiting for the office to open on Monday morning. The weekend was horrific. I couldn't kick thoughts about what would happen if I didn't manage to renew in time. Everything from spontaneous combustion to execution to simply fading from existence flashed through my head. None of those options appealed to me. By Sunday night, I'd checked the registrar's hours of operation so many times, the numbers floated in my vision no matter where I was looking. Once they opened in the morning, I'd have exactly 13 minutes to get it renewed. It would probably only involve a small fee and a tap of a few keyboard keys, like renewing your car tags. I'd already notified my boss that I wouldn't be at work, at least for the first half or so of my shift Monday. No way was I taking any risks. I didn't sleep Sunday night. Every time I closed my eyes, they refused to stay closed, and I immediately had to check my clock. I was terrified that I would somehow sleep too late to fix this problem. It was silly, of course, since I'd set five separate alarms for well ahead of when I'd need to leave the apartment. But I couldn't shake the feeling that something would keep me from getting to the registrars in time. In defiance of my fears, I was standing at the front doors when someone came to unlock them. Under normal circumstances, I would have waited in my car. Rain was coming down in torrents, and the sky was black despite the summer morning hour. He unlocked it two minutes late. In true government-building fashion, the office was home to more than one department. My view of the directory had been horrible as I peered in from the outside, so I had to waste five more of my precious 13 minutes in front of it, searching for the registrar's location, then checking on the building's map to see how to get there. The only reason it took so long was because the You Are Here star was missing. Big help! I raced to the nearest stairwell. Entrusting my life to an elevator that every sitcom said would break down at the worst possible time, possibly also with a laboring pregnant woman in it, was not something I was about to do. Fortune was with me. There was no line at the registrar's counter, and I still had four minutes left. 
Sure enough, the nameplate in front of the sole clerk read Clarissa Maldonado. Hi, I panted at her. I got an email about my birth certificate. Do you have your number? I panicked for a moment. I jotted the number on a post-it note on Saturday and put it in my pocket. But was I wearing the same pants? My hands sank into my pockets, fingers wrapping around a small piece of paper. Letting out a relieved sigh, I handed it to Clarissa. One moment, please, she said, and started keying numbers into her computer. Lightning struck, and the power went out. The darkness consumed me. It was the end. I knew it. There wasn't enough time for her to get her computer booted back up, even if the power came back immediately. I was done for. When the power did come back, I was shocked to find myself still standing there. I blinked at Clarissa. Just another moment, and I'll get your renewal once the computer is back up. Thank you for your patience. But my watch gave the lie. I was now two minutes past expired. Still, I waited while her computer came back on. She typed in the number. I apologize, but this certificate is expired without option for renewal. It... It expired during the outage, I said lamely. So, do I apply for a new one then? Long story short, bureaucratic red tape kept me from getting a new birth certificate. I had long since been born, after all. And because I had no birth certificate, I was now suddenly incapable of conducting any official business. I couldn't apply for any new identification. With that lightning flash, I had basically been erased from existence. But I was still here. The driver's license, credit cards, and other stuff in my wallet that tied me to my life were useless. Sure, things might still work out for a while, until digital records caught up with me. But I was as good as a ghost now. I stepped out of the office in a daze. The rain dripping on my face brought me out of my mental funk. So what if the government didn't recognize me anymore? I was still alive, whether they liked it or not. Without an identity, I couldn't actually be punished for anything, could I? I was no longer a valid citizen of the country. I was off the grid. Completely. So I wouldn't be able to hold a job any longer. Once electronic payroll tried to do its thing, I'd show up as invalid, undesirable, or something. Systems would glitch and break when I came up. In being expired, I suddenly had a weapon to use against the unfair society I'd grown up in. Just by existing, I could potentially tear down communications, bookkeeping, and government networks. I might actually be able to make a difference. Somehow. Pondering all the implications of my newfound powers of non-existence, I strode off into the storm. Seeking Colonels by A.F. Grappin Alberta was the biggest chicken on the whole farm. She was even bigger than Seamus the rooster, and because of her size, what Alberta said was law in the chicken coop. If she said hop, the other hens hopped.
even Seamus would start bouncing in place. So when Alberta gathered her hens one morning to give out orders, they paid close attention to her words. I want to begin by instructing you all not to panic, Alberta said, strutting before her line of loyal hens. But we may be in the middle of a crisis, remain calm. I have discovered that while we have some food, the corn is missing. To their credit, the line of hens did remain calm. At least they stayed in place. A few let out frantic clucks, and more than a dozen craned their necks to the feeding area, searching for spaces where kernels of corn should be. Of course, there were none. Seed scattered the ground, but no corn. Once she'd allowed the hens a little time to confirm for themselves that the food was missing, Alberta went on. I am declaring a state of emergency. Egg duty rotation will remain in place, but all other tasks are suspended in lieu of finding the corn. All available staff will search the farm. Buddy up and I'll assign territories. Let's find our food. Alberta doled out locations from the barn loft to the grain silo to the pig pen. She sent pairs of hens to the stable, the pumpkin patch, and the tractor shed. When reports began coming in, they were all the same. No one had seen the corn. She gave out new assignments, racking her brain to think of places even less likely to contain the corn. The farmhouse. The drainage ditch at the end of the driveway. She even sent one of her more daring pairs of hens to the turkey enclosure, just in case they had corn while the chickens didn't. It was Jenny and Roe, the pair she'd sent to investigate the farmhouse, who brought Alberta a potential lead. The farmer's boys are attacking a crazy painted creature, Roe said, poofing herself up in her pride at discovering something out of the ordinary. The beast is no doubt the thing that took our corn. It is a bloated creature, Jenny chipped in, as big as the boys, and they are no match for the monster. It has a large nose, red with anger, and wild hair, and huge unblinking eyes. Ro nodded. No matter how hard they batter it, and how many times they make it fall, it continues to get back up and attack them again. Alberta took this all in. This monster sounds dangerous, and we cannot stand having it stealing our corn and threatening our humans. She called Seamus over and bid him to crow so that all the hens would regather. Once they did, Alberta gave their new instructions. The plan didn't take long to put together. Alberta's squad of hens quietly picked their way around one side of the farmhouse. Jenny and Roe, for being the ones to discover the monster, had the honor of leading the other squad around the farmhouse's other side. Alberta poked her head around the side of the house and saw the monster for the first time. Jenny and Roe had not lied. 
The creature was hideous. It resembled a human, but only in vague ways. The skin shone shiny and white in the late morning sun. Its hair stuck out from the sides of its head, and its angry nose sat above a horrific smile that threatened violence. It withstood the onslaught of the farmer's twin sons. More than once, Alberta watched it fall forwards or backwards, but it regained its upright posture quickly. For a time, Alberta studied the creature, trying to discern its attack patterns. But she could not fathom it. The boys were relentless and seemed to be enjoying their battle. They laughed as they pummeled the monster, though there was nothing funny about war. It was when the beast shot back upright after a violent kick that the unthinkable happened. It seemed to bounce, coming forward with so much force, it headbutted one of the twins, knocking him back a step. That was it. It had not only threatened, but actually struck one of the boys. Alberta nodded to Seamus, and the rooster sounded the attack. From two sides, chickens rushed forward, clucking warnings and battle cries at the tops of their lungs. They rushed past twins who were startled into stillness. Forty beaks tore into the monster's flesh. Air rushed into their faces. The monster let out a great hiss and seemed to deflate, no longer rocking back in acceptance of the blows it had withstood before now. Even once it had stopped moving, Alberta and her troops continued to tear at the monster. Oddly, its belly seemed to be at its very feet, and sure enough, when they tore it open, there was their corn. It had not even been digested yet, and the feast began immediately. Pleased with the success of her mission, the solving of the mystery, and with no casualties at all, Alberta stepped away from the feast. She approached the two boys, who were gaping at the chicken frenzy. Alberta clucked her report, but the boys did not understand her. Neither did she understand them when one of them said to the other, The chickens killed Boppo the clown. The other replied, Well, Dad did warn us about using their corn for the weight. Let's go skip rocks. So, Aaron, bark, bark. you're a really good chicken. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> I love that story. I do, too. I had more fun doing that than I have in a while. That's one of my favorite stories I've ever written. It's so dumb, but it's so perfect. Mm, yeah, so... Poor Boppo the clown. Poor Boppo. Except not, because clowns are scary. Yeah, clowns are scary. They need to go away. But good chickens. Good chickens. They're good chickens. They're great chickens. And they found the corn. It was a happy ending for everyone. Yay, except Boppo the clown. No, the kids were free of Boppo. It's a good yeah. thing. He was a monster. Chickens killed Boppo the clown. I know. <laughs> While we mourn Boppo the clown. We're not mourning. <laughs> okay, well, enjoy a promo anyway. Once upon a time... There was a girl who lived in a little village far away. I've got this friend, Joelle, right? Sam, I know how to get there. 
It just takes the right story. That's all. Once upon a time, I'm looking for my friend. Getting to Elfland isn't the same as getting into Elfland. You must tell me a story, one which I have never heard before. Elfland, fairy, Avalon, Tirnanog. When you read enough fairy tales, you learn how things work. When you are ready. Six stories told at night. Part audio drama, part storytelling. All Canadian fairy tales. Find out more at ktbrisky.com. That's ktbrysky.com. Hey, you know how we always make that one joke before this segment? Wait, which segment is it? About following a process. Oh, yeah. Let's not do that this time. Okay. Hey, we're going to do a processed food segment. I love that segment. It's a great segment. It's it basically is. just Google Translate fails at, you know, monologues. It's great. Yeah. So we're, enjoy we're, this. Yeah, have this. It's time to process some food, guys. I thought it had already been processed. We're just sharing it with them. We're serving it. Well, we're going to do a before and after, just like a cooking show. Oh, how special. We already have one monologue in the oven that's ready for us to display. All right. Anyway. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Hello. This is... Oh, hey, there's a guy here. Yeah, you need him to read things. I think I know him. He's going to be the one taking stuff out of the hot oven without any mitts on. Why? Gonna... Because it's a process. T- toxic masculinity? Uh, <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> anyway. I, I like oven mitts. <laughs> they keep my skin on. <laughs> he likes to use protection. Okay, anyway. <laughs> we process food segments where we take well-known monologues from plays, TV shows, movies, and put them through some layers of Google Translate and warp them, and it becomes hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. So Theo is going to be reading our selection. He's going to read the original monologue first, and then the funny one. Theo, oh. what, is, uh, what, what, what is this from? Uh, this is from the movie Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> this is where Hannibal Lecter, early on when he meets Starling, does a very quick analysis of her. I don't think I could do this justice. I had to read this speech from V for Vendetta. <laughs> I know. Don't don't even try. I had to be Morpheus, dude. Don't worry, <laughs> Theo. You're going to be sitting in the bar pretty high for what you're doing this, for the second reading of it. So you're fine. Okay. Uh, all right. Silence of the Lambs. This is the original. You know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition has given you some length of bone. But you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Officer Starling? That accent you're trying so desperately to shed... Pure West Virginia. What was your father, dear? Was he a coal miner? Did he stink of the lamp? And oh, how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the FBI. <laughs> That's the original. That's the original. Now, what languages did we take this through, Theo? Well, this has been translated through Italian, Korean, Welsh, Dutch, and Japanese. Talk about some different language structures there. Uh And then back to English. So now what movie is this from, Theo? From the movie, because there's no R in... (laughs) 
Silence of innocent people. Silence of innocent people? Okay. <laughs> Caught myself on that one. <laughs> now you know what I go through. <laughs> Thank you for not making me do this one. Do you know what you mean with lovely bags and cheap shoes? You look like a contour. <laughs> Refresh the free range with a small taste. Nutrition has given you a piece of bone, but there is only one generation of poor white cabbage generation. <laughs> My cabbages! <laughs> one generation of poor white cabbage generation. <laughs> Are you old? <laughs> the accent you want to release, just West Virginia. <laughs> What is your father? Was he a miner? Did you smell the lamp? <laughs> you puffing kerosene. Incense. It's incense. How fast are you? <laughs> are you old? How fast are you? People who have confidence in the back of the car. Whoa! While dreaming of you going out, let's go anywhere until the end. F B I. <laughs> until the end, FBI. Are you old? How fast are you? <laughs> It's the short one. I had to do the long one. I'm, I'm still trying to find some other ones, but you know, you can only do one for me. Teehee. Okay, so 2019 is getting off to a very hectic start for us. A little bit crazy. Yeah, well, 2018, we kind of went crazy there in December because we had our December 1st, December 15th, and the Patreon backer only episodes. Plus a whole bunch of other stuff not podcast related. Yeah, don't then we holidays. <laughs> holidays. Oh, so crazy. Happy but, New Year. Happy New Year. How pleasant. Yeah, that was great. So we're just gonna go ahead and sign this off. We're gonna go through our last, you know, announcements and everything real quick. So go to iTunes, leave us stars, leave us reviews, it really helps. Go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast and get Stuff. Yeah, you can get stuff there, like aprons and mugs. and. It has us. Yeah, we're on them. You can go to patreon.com uh, slash themeltingpodcast and get access to all kinds of other physical swag. Including us... our Patreon backer-only episodes. I was getting there. You can help us support. You can help support the show monetarily, which really, really helps. But again, you get access to our Patreon backer-only episodes. There are now three, and the one for 2019 is actually going to be not happening right at the end of the year this year. We were ahead of the game on this one, guys. Don't yeah. get used to it. <laughs> Don't get used to it. Oh, crap. Open prompts. Ah, I was not prepared. You can send us stories up to 5,000 words based on any topic. No erotica, please. We try to keep it safe for work. Mm -hmm. Or a Stoke the Fire story, which is 1,500 words or fewer based on one of our two open prompts. Now, prompt number 17, you have a dinosaur bodyguard, is closed. That is prompt number 17. You have a dinosaur bodyguard, is closed. My rushing yeah, co-host here. I'm going quickly. Need, needs to calm down. Sorry. Calm down. The open prompts are prompt number 18. You are informed via phone that your significant other has been in an accident. They are standing right next to you. Dun, dun, dun. And introducing prompt number 19. You have two left feet along with your right one. <laughs> Dance. Dance for us, puppets. <laughs> and send us things. Yeah, send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter 
at Melting Podcast. Or you could email us. TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. <laughs>